What's up, everybody? Welcome to Movie Schmovie, episode number 251. Uh, I'm Steve, and who else is uh, here with me? I'm John. I'm Ron. <laughs> the classic Ron John, one-two punch. That is so weird that you heard it as a, as a Ron John. I heard it as a John Ron. There's drift on these phone lines, you know? There's, a, there's weird space-time continuum stuff. But yeah, so we're, we got together today, keeping with our weekly releases, and uh, you know it's kind of going to be a loose episode, but we kind of want to just get together, talk about some of the current news in the entertainment industry, movies, um, some TV stuff, and you know catch up on what we've seen in the past week, and uh, just kind of go from there and kind of get back to what we've always done on this podcast, which is just kind of, and really where it started, which is just like getting together and talking about what what's going on and what we've seen. So. Uh, hopefully everybody's cool to go along with that with us, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see how oh, yeah. it goes. You did say this is episode two hundred and fifty one. Um, I think this is kind of noteworthy because way back in episode one seventy five, it was right after we had sort of survived the transition from the Thundergrunt network back onto our own feed. So we had been on that network for a little while, and then we had to get our stuff back off that feed to its own feed. Right. And that was our first episode back from that transition, and so I think we were kind of declaring our intentions. And Ronald said he thought we might do 175 more, um, <laughs> which I think started a little joke we had for a little while that we were guaranteed, we were promising we were going to do 350 episodes. And I thought it would be fun if we kind of said, but we're not going to do more than that. Now we're saying that the end date for Movie Movie is episode 350. And if that is the case, then episode 251 is the first podcast in a kind of 100 podcasts up on the wall, (laughs) you know, kind of situation here. We're we're taking one down. And after this episode, there are only 99 Movie Movies left on the wall. So we can actually begin... Uh, to create some false drama in every episode now <laughs> with the sense that we're counting down from 100 to 1. And then when we get to 1, that's it. It doesn't matter what movie we cover that. If it's Trolls World Tour Part 7 or whatever, <laughs> that'll be the last episode <laughs> of Movie Schmovie. That's hilarious. Yeah. So counting down. This is your 99th from the last episode of Movie Schmovie. <laughs> Speaking of Trolls, why don't we, why don't we get into uh, some of the news about trolls world tour and this theater to digital model that that started because of COVID 19 well or kind of kicked in a little more because of COVID 19 and the numbers that have kind of come out since then um steve first and foremost how many of your friends have been talking about trolls i guess that's the first question i'm going to ask you too i mean honestly like uh, almost all yes same man i mean the, the majority the majority, if not all, and I mean, that's mainly because, you know, uh, not only is it like a major release, but I mean, like just having so many friends with young kids at this point that right. it's just like unavoidable, you know, it's that it's that title. But yeah, I think for me, it's a little bit different in the sense that my kid has aged out of that. <laughs> oh, so for yeah. me, it's almost like this was the only place that I talked to any grownups about Trolls World Tour. And on Facebook, I have one friend who is just sort of a movie hound kind of in our, our vein, who uh, I believe his son might be a little bit older as well, but he was very curious about it. And in fact, I think he was trying to gauge whether he should have listened to our review before seeing it. And I kind of told him, hey, if, you're, if you want to see it, see it before you hear our right, podcast, right. because we, we didn't get into super spoilers, but there was, there was enough there that I thought if someone wanted to see the movie, they might want to see it. Um, unspoiled, but that was it for me. But I did see when I looked at sort of the press around the movie, I was sort of pleased to see not only was it getting a pretty positive response, which I think we all enjoyed the movie enough that we want it to get a positive response, but people were uh, talking about and kind of praising the very aspect that we talked about a lot uh, on the show, Ronald, Um, the aspect of the way that it addresses the sort of legacy of pop music and cultural appropriation. So I I thought it was kind of interesting that that seemed to be a big reason why people uh, dug into this kind of light and frothy movie was this sort of, you know, secretly heavy idea. Yeah, that's it's pretty cool. Um, the numbers were pretty incredible for the first week. It's like $30 million. Um, Universal's been kind of quiet after the opening week, uh, ap- opening weekend, but $30 million domestic digital renting is pretty impressive, man. Especially considering, you know, this, this, movie definitely tonally seemed a lot different than the original even in the commercials uh and the trailers and stuff like that it, it's it's pretty impressive that it's 
it's doing as well as it, it is as it is and um yeah just want, i want to ask you guys how you felt about the idea that considering uh that we may be in this for a little bit longer um do you think that studios will be willing to let go of the the b minus c plus level films and kind of put them out see what happens throw them in a piranha tank see what happens uh, how you guys feel about that idea um i mean i think it's pretty amazing i mean I, you know this is probably the kind of title i mean it may not be like a four quadrant type movie but i mean like it's as close to they could have probably hoped for in these times to kind of go all out with this um i just think it's really interesting you know to see a movie like that uh, you know kind of do very well on video on demand and i mean like just to kind of circle back for a second like you know basically it, it's kind of in this weird ether just like kind of netflix does where like they don't really like those uh, projections like rana was saying like the 30 million like that's basically what they're guesstimating that it equates to but i mean like they kind of do the same thing where they're not really truly like releasing numbers like they they release like benchmarks and comparables and things like that um because they're so delayed like those figures are so delayed like it takes months for them to really release numbers like that um you know and, and when they're comparing it to titles in terms of performance like endgame and jurassic world fallen kingdom which like were two of the higher grossing titles that it was like in all the press releases that they were comparing it to it just there's like literally months of delay but i mean you know based on the performance the rentals the windows you know the different digital platforms that it's on you know Suffice to say, it seems like it's probably, if not, I think Universal probably, I think I already confirmed it, but that basically it was the biggest opening ever for a digital debut across all the platforms available for a video on demand release. And, you know, basically saying that it was like 10 times bigger than the next biggest opening day for a traditional digital release. And I mean, they're not apples to apples, you know, because some of those movies it's comparing it to people are people already had gone and paid their money and to see them in theaters like the two that I just mentioned like Fallen Kingdom and, and Endgame. So it's a little different, you know, cuz these are people that, you know, these are first watches for a lot of people where those titles that still did really well on the video on demand platform like those are also movies that made over a billion dollars at the box office. So it's definitely different in terms of metrics and measurements, but it is really cool and it is really interesting. It's a little scary um, just because it did did it did do very well. That um, it does kind of make you wonder. We've had this conversation on a couple of podcasts since we've been recording these weekly ones, just in terms of like what's the big movie that's going to go for it on a window uh, to to release digitally rather than like pushing back into the later summer to the fall to the winter to the next year, and um, you know. There's there's definitely got to be like there's there's a there's a, a like a a, a a point at whoever's crunching those numbers for these movies where there's going to be one of those I I didn't think it was going to happen before when we talked about it but I'm I'm kind of becoming a little more convinced that it could if if movie theaters are really going to not open until you know July August September October whatever it is. And some of these theatrical chains are going through possible bankruptcies and things like that. Like that's just a really scary territory to to bank on. Um, so yeah, this this movie doing well. It, it kind of makes me wonder if there in fact will be a kind of bigger title. Maybe not the blockbuster size titles like Wonder Woman's or the Bonds, but movies that are just a step below that maybe and maybe even like a couple steps above trolls world tour in terms of just you know their the the bigness value to them it's such a risk though steve because it's like they have to, i know i know you're talking about the number crunchers reaching that point where they can say this movie pivots on this point where we can make a big splash with it because it will be the biggest movie ever released directly to home. Exactly. The screens, you know, like, like, however, whenever you do that, there's no question that it, it's a bit of a sacrificial lamb in terms of what the theatrical box office projections should be for a movie like that. So it's almost like it has to be a significant enough movie to be the kind of movie that we're talking about but an insignificant enough movie for a studio to risk it in that way. And then you compound that with the fact that what if it's longer than we thought? Then some of the movies that they've scheduled for the fall suddenly become weird liabilities 
where it's like, are we just never, are we just never going to put movies out anymore? You know, some of these movies that are scheduled for September might come out at home if this situation evolves in a way that is, is, you know, against what we hope for. So there's such a big question for me of, of what type of movie and exactly what that movie would be, because it's a little bit of a slap in the face to whatever that movie is to say, we kind of want to make our buck on it now and we're we're willing to make less, but in a strange way, if you're on the uh, sort of, I'm imagining that some of these Hollywood folks that are excited about new technology, they might be going like, okay, is this an opportunity to create a whole new model? I mean, Trolls World Tour came out and people that were plugged into children's entertainment knew about it. But like I said, outside of that, it wasn't a huge splash. Imagine one of these movies that does have that massive marketing push where everyone in the world knows it's coming out and yet it's coming out at home. We haven't really seen that before. Yeah, and on top of that, um, we we did, we also didn't mention that the 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 purchase of the film actually is not a purchase it's a rental so you cannot buy this movie right now it's just a rental for four uh, three days or 48 hours depending on what service you use and that's it and it to for it to make 30 million dollars with people looking at that that business model and, and agreeing to it it's pretty crazy um, I also want to throw in the idea too, um, through like friends and and uh, people that are close to me that work in businesses that are like you know venue based. People are, are speculating that in these venues that things aren't going to continue. Public things aren't going to be here until like next fall when people feel comfortable going to things. Which is crazy to hear. You know, it, it doesn't feel good to hear, but it it may be factual that because there's the idea that of letting people out, you know, letting us be okay with the whole idea of uh, being comfortable coming outside, and then how many people are going to be comfortable going to these theaters, going to these concerts, going to these larger events? How comfortable would you be, Ronald, if you had a ticket right now? <sighs> I'm looking at that fall going like, okay, now I don't even know if concerts that have been pushed back to the fall are going to happen. But beyond that, how comfortable do I feel about going into a room full of, of however many hundreds of people and, and people are coughing and people are sneezing. I, I, mean, I mean, again, I keep thinking beyond all this other stuff that we talk about, like, I don't want to get this. So, I mean, I'm a, I'm a live sports guy. Like, um, I bought partial season tickets to the Wizards the year before last. Um, I planned on doing it um, at the, the next season. Season, the season after this one I mean you know because this is pretty much a crap shoot I don't know what's going to happen for the end of the NBA season but I had planned on getting tickets now if we get to a point where like they're saying we're okay and maybe there's like this changed sort of environment where people are still wearing masks out in public I honestly would be maybe okay with getting some tickets to a Wizards game next year um but I got to be honest, if if certain states are going to start earlier than others and people aren't really listening to the protocol, I can't feel comfortable with somebody coming from a place that started earlier that that hadn't social distanced coming to D.C., sitting right beside me and, and, and maybe giving me something that that drives me crazy. That isn't like a uniform plan for the country. And states are able to make those decisions. I know that sounds a little weird. No, that's exactly what you're thinking about. It's like it's like defensive driving on the road. You can do everything about what happens in your car, but what what about the other guy? You know? Yeah, yeah. I am now having these thoughts that I've never had before as a person who don't I don't love crowds, but if I have to deal with a crowd to do something I'm excited about, I'll do it. And now there's this whole other aspect of crowds that is you know nefarious. Yeah, it's a it's a strange thought, but like you know, just kind of having friends and family that are in the business of crowds a crowd-based events and then uh politics and stuff like that you just hear things that sound like they're a little more truthful than the things you're hearing on tv and it feels like it may be a while before this happens so the idea of this happening i know i was sounding like a jerk like we kind of had this group chat and i was just like the world is changing at a pretty rapid pace and maybe I'm feeling a little more because I work at like I work at Hopkins, you know, just just full transparency. I work at Hopkins and you get us. We get a series of these emails that just sound like people are prepared to to not go back to work for quite some time. And I think that's going to affect entertainment as we know it for quite some time. And I think the things that we kind of hold sacred 
are kind of going to be destroyed because everything we've known up until this point has been destroyed. I don't mean like we're going to be miserable. I just mean that the way that business was done before is changing. That's all. Yeah. 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 I've heard like mid next year as a projection for certain live events. And when you think about that, you think about the industry that is going to be completely affected by that. There will be no, none of the present infrastructure uh, for booking shows and for ensuring those things, you know, like all the things that have to happen for a tour to happen, for a theatrical run to happen, for all this stuff to happen. That infrastructure is going to be kind of wiped away if it's a year from now. A lot of people are going to leave those jobs for other jobs. So, you know, if you're like a local venue and you can't book any shows for a year and a half, uh, you know, uh, what does that do? That that just kills you. It's going to have to rebuild from the ground up. That pipeline of things that are in the works right now that you get to see in a couple months' time, you know, that's being stopped. And I, w- I was thinking about this in terms of production for movies and TV shows, that, like, you're going to start to see announcements of delays of things that weren't scheduled to come out until next year or the year after that because they can't work on them right now, you know? There's going to be a, a, a huge ripple effect that we haven't started to see yet. Um, and, and yeah, I think of all the people who are going to leave for other, other jobs and other industries, and it is going to have to be kind of rebuilt from the ground up if it goes on that long. But I've heard the same thing you've heard, Ronald, that some of the projections for how soon is it really viable to expect people to congregate in these areas, in these large groups, like a big movie or a big show, that might not be September. That might be optimistic. I mean, it's already mid-April, and that happened in a blink of an eye. I can't believe it's been a month that my family's basically been wandering around this house, bumping into each other. So Yeah, it's um, nuts. I don't know. It's crazy. And yes, I believe that you can't slow things down this much without also taking a bit of time to start them back up, because they've slowed down now to the effect that that it would be difficult to just say, all right, everybody back to work, you know, even if they had yeah. a vaccine tomorrow, which they won't. Yeah, it's a little nuts. So, Steve, Steve how are you feeling about it, man? I mean, I'm pretty much in the same mindset. I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, I'm, I'm probably even more, I guess, cautious with, like, just personally going back into participating with a lot of those kinds of events. I mean, those communal type events, like, as much as I want to go back and see a movie in a theater, like, I just... You know, there's only, especially like, I don't know, like a type A personality, like there's only so many things I can really be responsible for and controlling and and to make myself like and my family and my parents and people that I care about possibly not get sick. And I mean, even when things start rolling out, like, you know, nothing's really for sure. And I'd rather personally play things safe in most cases because it's not it's it's not a need. It's a want for me. But in terms of an industry and things like that, like it's really tough to imagine uh, you know, people in in all kinds of ancillary industries that touch movie theaters, you know, whether it's film production or, you know, movie studios or even like, you know, special effects studios or, I mean, all the way down the line, every, every crew member that works on a movie like um, and TV show, it's just kind of crazy to see that ripple effect and and that's, you know, where the, the there's a want to, like, get back to normal. Um, you know, that's all over every piece of social media that you watch today. You know, conversations all over the place. But, I mean, when we talk about just the theatrical experience or just, like, you know, any kind of entertainment type of a venue being, you know, more broad about it, it's just, it's a real, it's a real risk and it's a real scary idea to, to think about how much goes into rolling that kind of experience back out. Um, you know, to a point where, you know, people feel comfortable, but even just beyond people that the, those responsible for those events and those facilities like feel comfortable, you know, and responsible and ready to take on responsibility of certain things that they are doing or are not doing to ensure that, you know, you're still trying to keep this thing, you know, this, this, this virus or this disease, like, you know, at bay in some way. Yeah. You know? It's a little sh- strange, man. But I don't know. It's 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 pretty. Yeah, it's unprecedented, and it's all just. I mean, in so many ways, it's speculation. But it's just. Uh, yeah, I mean, even if you're talking best case scenario and in, into the fall, I mean, some of these things, you know, to kind of circle back to the beginning of this conversation, you know, a studio that is saying, "Oh, we have like no income streams happening right now," or not no, but very little income streams happening. I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna probably happen. If if this is going into the fall, somebody's gonna pull the trigger, and there's gonna be like that movie that's just a notch below top tier blockbuster, you know, billion dollar franchise guaranteed that they're gonna 
they're going to start they're going to start coming out because that is an income stream for you know all parties involved and that also would continue to be you know paying slash funding anything that that studio had had has will have in production and it's just uh watching the kind of performance that you know trolls had which is you know obviously being publicized is a pretty massive hit in scope um you know there's probably some titles out there that would be like john said like that would now if this is the landscape want to go for that title of this is the largest digital release ever you know because at this point from the way it looks like that's what this movie is now and that's you know, lemon out of lemon, uh, lemonade. What is it? Lemonade out of lemons. Like whatever that saying is. Like that's what they did with that movie, and it seems to be pretty smart because it's not like it, it doesn't seem like it would have been the surefire, massive hit that the first one was. While it would have been bigger, obviously in theaters, but I mean, if it was fifty to sixty million opening weekend and it did thirty million on video on demand, and that was you know, and some of those figures were coming out like for like first day. You know, not not even the whole week or weekend. Like it was saying, like first day, some of those figures were ten times that of the next movie below it. So, I mean, what 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 that ultimately looks like a month to two months when they release that number, I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've actually read a couple interesting articles and in the in the title. I don't know that it would happen with this title because this is like a pretty big title for the studio that that keeps coming up. Is that the one that could do it? Is that Disney might do it for Milan? And yeah, I, I keep hearing I that too. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that seems like a pretty monstrous worldwide type of hit. And I don't know. I mean, and that's also like the live action, you know, collection that they're doing, and it's a pretty important film on a number of levels. And to not get the attention. Uh, of like a monstrous like rollout publicity wise and everything, I don't I don't know. It, it's just it's just it's just tough to see that or swallow that. But I mean, I think that movie's still a little above the threshold that I'm kind of envisioning myself, just looking at the landscape of what's coming out. But there are some other movies that you know are on the slate that you know have been moved around over the next three or four months that maybe are a little more appropriate. But I mean, the Mulan title. I do see that coming up in a couple of different articles that I've read this week about just the state of the industry and like what this video on demand platform could do or could be. Because they're also talking about like how when they're doing these, like the the um like the publicity budget, you know, promotional budget, all that stuff, like it's not as large as it like that is kept in scope, you know, in terms of like a theatrical rollout. And, you know, there's a lot of details that they don't know in terms of, like, profit sharing of what per- portion of it that they make from a video on demand rental versus a, you know, uh, a theatrical release, you know? Because, I mean, those are notoriously, like, their their portion of that box office is, is pretty is, – is not the number you always hear. You know, it's a big chunk off of it that the exhibitors take. Um, but – yeah, I don't know. It's it's really really interesting, and it's like uncharted, and it's it's kind of weird. Um, it's kind of weird, but it's 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 the best case scenario for some of these titles, I think, um, to kind of just be shelved and like put back. Because the other thing on the back end of this that is pretty obvious, to anybody that understands how it works, is that you know these there's only so much space for these movies, you know, like in terms of how far back they're going to get pushed, and. You know, certain movies are dying in the theater as it is. So to continue to push some of these movies back and to put them on dates where there's already three or four movies slated, I mean, you know, one of those movies is going to succeed usually on an opening weekend. And the other ones run the risk of bombing. You know, so like what's the benefit of pushing a movie back seven months if it's going to open against three other movies and fail versus putting it out now or in a month or whatever it looks like and maybe that movie has room to like succeed where it would have not before. You know, I don't know. It's just there's so many different scenarios. It's really interesting. It is, but man. I'm very anxious to I'm very anxious to see like what the next title is because nothing is there right now. Like there's nothing out there that is like you know the big title besides like I saw Josh Trank like his newly titled Capone. Uh, you know the Tom Hardy movie that was called I think Fon- Fonzo or something like that. Um, 
that that got a digital distributor. Like it's not going to theaters. It's coming out like May the first week or second week of May on video on demand. And I don't know if that's a quality issue, but that's another movie that was supposed to be coming out theatrically that's not now. And that's going to be another title in a couple weeks that's going to be on demand. That's a quote unquote a new movie with a movie star in it. So you know I'm curious to see how that does. So are movies still hitting theaters right now? I mean, I've seen a couple of things that say re- released theatrically and at home, but right now there's no chains open. Or am I wrong about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think there there's still like a there's still a market like where they're still going out into like drive-in theaters. Interesting. I don't know how many of them there are, but um, there's a lot. Of, there there are numbers in those box office reports for Trolls World Tour this past weekend that like the majority of any kind of theatrical box office was um you know was was drive-ins so could drive-ins have like a huge comeback under this because i'm honestly thinking i'd go to a drive-in to go see black me too in the fall (laughs) me too (laughs) they there's there i mean i think i think in what's open i mean i think that domestically i want to say i read somewhere that it was like 25 drive-ins that are still running in the country that it did get released into and i want to say I don't know. It was it, it was like it was it was pennies like on what is normally expected. You know what I mean? Like it was not even not not even in like six digit numbers. It was like it was very very low at those theaters. Right, right. Of course, but they can still say it was released that way, day and date. They promote it that way. I think internationally there may be some chains that are still open. Um, I, I don't know for sure or independent ones that are still open. I don't know for sure, but. Yeah, it's it's more semantic. Like they're saying it's coming out in theaters still, but it's 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 literally in the states. It's drive-in theaters, and I, I'm literally looking at it at it now. Yeah, it was 25 drive-ins. Uh, any diners and dives? <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> this is a good question. Um, so I have a little thought. I'm, I'm waiting for the bad news about some cool-sounding project that you read about that you've just forgotten about, but you read about some team that came together right. for something. I'm 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 going ahead and dreading like in a year's time when you find out. Oh yeah, that didn't happen. That fell apart. That got pushed back, and the people just went their separate ways because of this huge stop in work. Because we are we are not yet to the point where the pipeline of work is completely done. There are a few things every now and then. I don't know if you guys have seen. You'll get a news notice about some show that has halted production or some movie that has officially halted production or some other movie that's they're doing effects work remotely right. or whatever. So there's still some effort to keep things moving, but at some point that part hunkers down too and that system grinds to a halt and that's kind of what we've been talking about this whole time is once that part of the structure of making movies grinds to a halt, the production aspect. That is when there's nothing on the schedule. Like there's nothing right. new showing up on the schedule. I don't think these companies are going to let that happen. I think we're going to see a lot of behind the scenes shit and uh, um, documentaries about the making of stuff. I, I, I just am trying to think of how they're going to take what they already have in the can and turn it into a way for some of these franchises anyway that that we're trying to hit the certain point on the calendar every year. You know, uh, like Disney has a lot of that stuff going on. Um, you could view their live action remakes as a franchise. You could say Marvel. You could say the the Star Wars stuff. All that stuff has to have a sort of regular dosage to get people into the next phase, and they don't have a next phase right now. I mean, Marvel obviously has a lot going on, but I don't. I'm I'm not optimistic that some of those dates they came up with might even get pushed back for some of those you know movies that they they bump back a couple months here and there. But I mean, what's it going to be? Are these going to be uh, sets where everybody on set has been tested and locked down and is living in some kind of quarantine while making the film? I mean, I could honestly see that start to happen. This is worth so much money to these companies. They might have to come up with a new way of making movies. But are they going to do that if the way these movies come out is this less than grand way to home theaters? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? At some point, that everything has to readjust. Um, I really wonder what what that's going to look like. I mean, there is a lot of stuff being made for um, streaming services, you know. So that might be the new model. That might be the new way these stories get told. And it might be that the big budget, giant motion picture experience is just something that can't really be viable for the studios. There's no holds barred in terms of how much they'll spend on a big movie like an Avengers movie or a Star Wars movie to make it work for audiences. If you don't have that possibility of making a billion and a half dollars, are you going to try so hard? I don't think they will. I think think we should really look at these new uh, TV shows uh, that are coming out for Disney Plus as an indication of what the future might look like for for franchises if theatrical movies 
take a huge hit like yeah. this. But, you know, who knows? In a few months, it might be so back to normal that a conversations like this seem silly. I somehow doubt it, but yeah. I kind of hope that that's what happens. Yeah, me too, man. I didn't mean to bum anybody out. It's just, it's just we're, hitting a, we're hitting a point now where we have to kind of adjust the way we were talking about all this stuff, it's getting, it's, it's changing a little bit. And yeah. I think there's a strong possibility it may go back to normal, but there still is going to be a gap in that. And uh, what the hell is going to happen during that gap? Yeah. Well, Ronald, you didn't bum us out. Honestly, I feel like if you're into movies right now, this topic is what's for dinner. Do you know what I yeah. mean? This is yeah. what you got to be thinking about because you can you can get excited about something popping up on a streaming service or something you can see, and there's plenty of great shows to catch up on and to binge with and everything. But like, um, that's what you say. You binge with a show. Isn't that what you say? <laughs> I don't binge at a show. I binge with the show. I'm I'm compassionate that way. Um, but like you, at some point you're going. Well, wait a minute. There's not that like you know that whole idea of what am I looking forward to right now? I was like, I don't know. I'm looking forward to any movies to come out, <laughs> right? Any movies to uh, get made uh. because I don't know how it happens. Again, I guess they can lock down the set and they can make it so that production can continue. Um, but yeah, that still feels like that has to be months away. So yeah, who knows? Who knows what it's going to feel like when you look at the calendar of like late 2020 into 2021, there just won't be as much content is my prediction, but maybe they somehow have so much in the can and they can work, you know, in, in safe conditions and it won't be as big of a deal, but it feels to me like that age of, ah, oh, there's so much television. There's so many movies. We might actually not feel that way right. in, in the fall. That's gone. Um, yeah, what else is going on in the entertainment world? I know you guys wanted to talk about this Michael Jordan uh, uh, project that is coming out. I'm, I'm intrigued by that sort of wide-ranging documentary or docu-series about someone like that. I know you, like, maybe you could talk to me a little bit about what excites you so much about that project. Sure. So, um, it looks like ESPN and Netflix are releasing a 30 for 30 docu-series. Netflix uh, overseas and uh, ESPN Domestic are going to be releasing a 10-part series about the last championship run with the Bulls called The Last Dance. Now, what makes this particularly unique is that uh, Michael Jordan typically does not participate in documentaries. He didn't participate in the one about the Dream Team that was very incredible that came on a couple years ago. He just does not participate. So they have basically all the Bulls that are living participating in this documentary including phil jackson and it is hitting on a a, 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 a spot that is kind of a, a big moment in american sports history so i'm super excited steve seems to be super excited steve i know you kind of expressed it that you were excited as well yeah no i mean this is like the the it, growing up you know like i i now i'm not as much into basketball as i was when i was younger but this era of basketball uh, professional basketball, the Jordan uh, highlight reel basically was when you know I was really into the sport and you know was just way tuned in to the culture and just the athletes and just the 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 you know the um just the league itself. Like I was just it was I was all about it and you know he himself was obviously like I don't know arguably the greatest of all time. I you know depending where you fall on that. Um, but yeah, like you said, what's most interesting about this is that he is notoriously like kind of private, and he, you know even though he is like one of the biggest personalities in the world at the time of his at the height of his powers, you know he just uh, since then and and in, in the days since have has been kind of like quiet private and doesn't do a lot of interviews and kind of just does whatever he does in his retirement and you know and and that's respect I respect that. But yeah, I mean, what ESPN does with these 30 for 30 docs, the level of access that they have yeah. with the players. I mean, even like sit down interviews with, you know, who they have on this list of who who they're interviewing beyond like beyond the, the Bulls players themselves, just like the players across the league, you know, even with Kobe being in it and just like just seeing how widespread of a story this is going to be covering um, for arguably one of the greatest athletes ever to play a game anywhere. It's just, it's just wild. And I think it's also really interesting that, you know, they, it was supposed to come out in the summer and they pushed it up. Like, you know, you were saying Ronald, you know, basically to kind of, I guess, take advantage of a captive audience in all of us right now, you know, people are at home wanting something to watch. And it's pretty smart. So, I mean, 
I think they're going to be airing two episodes every Sunday, 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock, until the series ends. I think it's going to end the weekend of May 17th. So, I mean, you know, we're going to get 10 episodes total of this story. And it's just, um, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, you look at that period in time at any professional sport across any platform and, you know, you just look at that that run that he had um, and the players around him had that kind of, they all just were elevated by that talent and that, that, that personality and just like, it was electric and yeah. And what ESPN does with those 30 for 30s, the circle back, like those, that that's, it's amazing what they do with that docuseries that they have. And, um, you know, and what you've seen in some of the other, I think ESPN produced like sports related documentaries are just um just just amazing and for it to be about him and you know in that time I mean j- just like a couple years ago they put that OJ doc out the Made in America doc that was another <clears throat> ESPN production for the 30 for 30 series and that's arguably one of the best like docu series ever slash movies documentary movies in my opinion and I, I thought that was amazing and for this to be about, you know, Michael Jordan and the Bulls in in the 90s, it's just, uh, yeah, man, I can't wait to see it. And and mainly because of the, the level of access and the fact that he's involved in it, it's it's going to be wild. Well, I mean, I am not a sports guy, and nobody uh, can miss that from a mile away. But, you know, even I know that the the Chicago Bulls of that era were mythic. Right. And that that this is the this is when the sort of like the oven that baked the icon of what Michael Jordan became. That's when it happened, you know. Right. And I I I do believe like I can easily believe that these ESPN documentaries, I've seen the type of footage ESPN gets. I've seen the type of stuff they put together. The 30 for 30 stuff is interesting even to me as a non-sports person just the way that it is done, the production value Sports are so much at the forefront of how well can we film this? You know, how well can we capture this in terms of photography and videography that there is, yeah, there's always amazing footage. And um, with just documentaries now, docu-series, there is a, there's an art to putting together these, these, these high-level docu-series where they can really wow you with just how slickly things are put together. And so you have this perfect storm of a subject that has got a lot of, a lot of footage um, and there's a lot of good-looking footage, and you have a company uh, like ESPN that makes really slick product. Yeah. And you know what I mean? It's like people are interested. Why not make a beautiful series? I didn't watch the OJ series, but I came close to because everyone raved about it. I can totally imagine that if I were to watch one of these shows, the drama, the human drama would sweep me up, and I would get caught up, and I would totally be into it. I just haven't had that pull um, but I'm, I'm really interested by something that you suggested, Ronald. I don't know if, I'm, if I got this right, but is Michael Jordan worried about how he's going to come off on the show, or is that just some someone's speculation? No, he, he was doing a press run on ESPN where they kind of were reflecting on his championships in the last three in particular, and he kind of said in passing, like, it kind of makes me look like a jerk, <laughs> essentially is what he was saying. And... um. We've all heard rumors about things that he's done. You know, Steve Kerr's told the story on ESPN about being punched in the face by um, Michael Jordan during the practice. I'm very curious to see how honest they're going to be about how he was. And, you know, he's an obsessive guy. I mean, people like Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, you know, the, the people that are at the top of their sport, you hear about these obsessions leading to meanness to be honest so also really yeah really interesting michael jordan started to get very vocal um right around the time that kobe bryant passed away he spoke at his um funeral at the staples center and that kind of started this goodwill that people kind of had for him i mean like because he didn't really share anything openly into this documentary so it's it's really interesting. I'm I'm super curious. And that comes out when? This yeah, Sunday. This Sunday. Is that the 19th? Yeah, this Sunday uh, at 9 and 10 p.m. Like it's two episodes each Sunday for the next 5 weeks. They're taking advantage of that of that quarantine audience, you know. They are, there, man. There's a few things coming out right now that I feel like are going to really catch like what we do in the shadows just started their yeah. second season and I feel like that show's going to get a little bump from the kind of uh, Hulu. Oh, definitely. Now, now that FX shows come out on Hulu immediately, there's going to be a ton more people watching it. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just, 
I think it's going to have a little bit of a bump. So I think anybody that's got something ready to come out right now should capitalize yeah. and should realize, yes, this is a very, this is a very welcome and thirsty audience uh, <laughs> at the moment when it comes to you know interesting new entertainment. And we, oh, yeah. we, we talked about this when we were talking about like Tiger King, the Netflix uh, series. But like it's it's also I'm so interested in this because it's kind of crazy to think about, you know. Just the idea that whatever, 22, 23 years ago, whatever it was, you know, when this last run happened, like with Jackson coaching and Jordan on the Bulls, that that there was like just it, – it's just the idea that there was like a camera crew. Yeah. Like filming everything for that last season. You know what I mean? And like to go for that second three-peat. And it's just like crazy to think that all that footage comes together – you know, two decades later for a 10-hour series about that very thing. It's, it's like insane to think about <laughs> yes, that. That's, that, that that's like going to be arguably one of the best things to watch on TV probably this year or at least during, you know, this, this spring, summer. And it's all because like of a, a moment in time 22 years ago when a sports team was doing something that like really has, had, has never been done. You know, it's just crazy – that the level of access and the level of footage that we're going to see and, and that I've read that they have, which apparently is like it's insane footage of, of the team. Um, it's just it's just wild to think about that. Like when you talk about the access that we talked about, like with Tiger King, that like they just happen to be filming all this shit happening. And it's just like, oh, yeah, we're going to sit on this, you know, and obviously they've used some of that footage for things here and there. But it's like 20, 20 years from now, we're going to really use this footage or somebody's going to want it. And it's going to be this very special thing. It's similar to Tiger King in that there's the thing you're there to film. Right. And then there's the people who are there to film what's going on because there's a big thing going on. And they're going to catch stuff that is not is not meant for right. film. <laughs> you know, that's not meant to be shown. So you got the stuff everyone's saying, here's what we're showing to the world. And then here's what we're revealing to the world at the same time. I think that is a... Yeah, that's interesting. And again, that sports obsession has never been my jam, but I know that there were a million cameras there every time this team came out. You know, so it is, yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be. Uh, uh, like I said, I'm sure I would get swept up in it because if, if it's well made, you, you don't have to be innately interested right. in the subject. And again, growing up in that era, I can't not have gotten a little bit of that. Oh, yeah, that's a big deal. When you guys told me, I was like, oh, the Bulls? <laughs> like, it's not just Michael Jordan. It's the whole team and it's the whole era. I didn't know how much those ESPN documentaries go outside the sports themselves into the lives and to the sum of more, sure. you know, the more tabloid aspects of the story. So sure. I, I would imagine there would be a, a lot of both of that in terms of interest in someone like this. Because Michael Jordan, we do kind of want to hear the ways in which he's not uh, perfect yeah. because he, <laughs> for so long, was held up. You know, it was a very controlled image. Um, so I think that he has had a lot of bad press in in the last, you know, decade or, and more. And it is, you know, he is a little bit of, in that sense, like a tarnished icon. But I don't think there's... It doesn't do anything to his legend somehow. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? It's still... There's still something big. You just say his name, and there's something about it. Yeah, man. Did anybody watch anything else, like a new movie or <clears throat> new content? Yeah, I mean, I've been catching up on a bunch of movies that uh, either just came out on video on demand or that I had kind of tracked down over the past couple weeks. Uh, you want to give us a, a quick Ritz with Steve Ritter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Qu a little quick Ritz. Majority of them are like kind of more kind of like horror, thriller kind of type movies, but... Um, there's a movie called Sea Fever that I watch. It's kind of like a uh, kind of disease. It's kind of timely, unfortunately, but like a like a boat crew on a. It's like a. It's in like an independent film. I think it's an Irish production, but um, basically, just something happens on this like uh, this boating crew, a fisherman crew, and uh, this creature. They kind of like sail into this zone of the ocean where. Um, it's like a restricted area where something's in the water and it's like, it, it you know, there's a bit of a contagion element to it. Um, but I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it doesn't really focus too much on the creature part of it. So it's less real a creature feature, but there's some amazing um, water cinematography in it. Like when, when you do get to see what, what's down there. But I thought that was pretty good. So I would, I would definitely check that out. And there's a movie called Harpoon that... Um, also came out on digital uh that's kind of again three three friends on a boat and just all of their kind of secrets start to kind of 
come out and you, you, you kind of learn about some, you know, double crossing and, you know, they're kind of going after one another, kind of like a, kind of like a, kind of feels like a Danny Boyle kind of movie on a boat with like friends just watching their relationship just completely deconstruct and blow apart. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty good and pretty violent and, uh, little, uh, what, what's the word? A little, uh, gory, I guess. I don't know. But that was pretty good too. Um, I watched a really good, like, kind of coming of age high school into college story called Banana Split with Hannah Marks in it that, that she co-wrote and is the star of, um, that was really good. It, it's very much like Booksmart. If you like Booksmart, uh, you'd probably like this movie. Maybe even more than Booksmart. Possibly. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's better than that. But I. But I really liked it. Um, oh wow. Uh, same kind of story. Like you know, these two girls become friends. You know, these two girls become friends over a summer. You know, and and the little caveat is that you know they're dating or having had dated the same guy. Um, within that last year of high school and they kind of have this secret friendship uh over the last summer uh around and you know kind of what happens during that time but uh i thought that was pretty good too um and then last night the one i probably most most timely and most people may have heard about aaron and i finally got to check out um i've been wanting to see it in theaters and never got to but um will eubanks's film uh, underwater with kristen stewart um which god damn it, I thought was really good. And you like I it? I really did, yeah. I've heard that. And as a genre guy, I, I keep forgetting that that's one I need to check out. So I'm glad to I'm glad you put it back on my radar. It's like, yeah, dude, you guys will like this movie. And like I more than liked it. I thought it was really good. And it's 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 unfortunately a victim, I think, of, you know, the Fox Disney merger. You know, apparently like it was shelved for almost three years before it got released. Um, and it shows it in the fact that T.J. Miller is one of the stars of the movie <laughs> prior to him, you know, kind of being canceled. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 got this like cool alien meets like the abyss meets like this like uh, I don't know like creature feature. I don't know. I don't want to give too much away because there's some cool shit that happens in the final act. But. Um, it was good. Like Aaron, Aaron had no interest in watching this movie and was audibly fighting to not watch it. And um, she was into it, and she came out of it being like, "That was really good. I'm glad I watched it." So that'd be the one I recommend, just because you know I would have loved to have seen that in the theater too. Because for a movie that only had like a fifty million dollar budget, it's in that weird in between of like it looks way better than fifty million dollars, and like it's kind of crazy that they accomplished what they did with with fifty million. Especially for, like, it's got a pretty good cast, too. Um, like I said, Kristen Stewart's in it. Um, uh, what else? T.J. Miller, Vincent Cassell, John Gallagher Jr., uh, Mamadou Athi's in it. Like, it, it's a cool cast. And, like, it's just, it's a bummer that this movie didn't do well. And I don't think it's, like, a bad movie at all. Um, but, yeah, I would definitely recommend checking out Underwater. Um Really cool visual effects, some really cool scene, you know, uh, cinematography, like in, in in water, like practical stuff happening in the water with people in suits diving and stuff like that. Really kind of claustrophobic kind of shit. Like, kind of reminds me a little bit of a, of the descent, where like you're already in a very stressful environment where you don't need anything else to be bad, and then you kind of are, you know, enter a variable of like there's a creature down here too. And it's just like okay, this this is not this was already not good, but it's like worse. Um, it kind of has that kind of element to it, but yeah, I would highly recommend Underwater. I really liked it, and uh, uh, hopefully, maybe it finds an audience on, on this platform. Um, unfortunately, it didn't in theaters, but yeah, those are the four that like I kind of watched over the past couple of days. But that's the one I would say um, is definitely. Definitely try to check that out if you have a chance. Ronald, maybe we can watch that, and then next week we can actually all three talk about a movie that we've seen recently. Yeah. Even if it's a, even if it's a kind of... Uh, it, we are now in the age of if we cover movies that are just sort of available, they don't have to have been recent movies. We can just catch up. It's Hey, it's time to catch up, everybody. Maybe that's what <laughs> our culture is going to do for the next next year, right. is catch up on, on what's there. Right, right. <clears throat> I saw a movie called We Summon the Darkness. It's a uh, direct-to-home 
I think this would have been a theatrical release, but maybe not, but it came out last week. Um, it's sort of a horror riff on, on the satanic panic of the eighties. I don't know if you guys have seen the trailers have been all over online. It, it's got Alexandria Daddario and Johnny Knoxville in it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually watched this one. T- I watched this one too, John. I saw this one too. Well, what did you think of, of, uh, we summon the darkness you first. Oh, wow. I, I kept thinking something we said after we watched the hunt, Steve, that we both agreed <laughs> was that it seemed to think it was funnier than it was. Yeah. It seemed to think it was more clever than it was. Yeah. And I can't blame the performers for giving it their all. It's similar, not similar, but it's similar to the lead performance in that movie being kind of an interesting but odd performance. I think Alexandria Daddario, I can totally see why she took this role. I can totally see why almost everybody involved got involved. But the movie doesn't really have much to do beyond, you know, its central conceit. There's a sort of a first half hour, and then there's everything that happens after. And I think that you can see they put all their energy into that, that twist, that transition. And I think that... As with a lot of movies, a lot of horror movies, if you don't pace it just right, it starts to really kind of get repetitive and a little noisy uh, in in the last act because you've already spun out all your ideas. And I think this is one of those. I thought particularly of interest was the way that they nailed music fans to some extent. Yeah, there was some yeah. people talking. It's it's all about... Um, you ever seen the documentary Heavy Metal Parking Lot, Ronald? Or do you know what that is? No, no. It's an old documentary made by Penelope Spheris, I think, who went on to direct yeah. Hollywood comedies. But it's basically <clears throat> a, a a bunch of people in the parking lot outside of a metal show in the in the early 80s. So she basically just captured the kind of people who show up early or wait in line or go at kind of tailgate for the afternoon before the show. So there's a lot of, you know, interesting. And now it's a time capsule of 80s-ness, but it's also kind of hair metal-ness. Um, and it, this movie almost seems like it's directly inspired by that because it starts off with some metal fans showing up for a show. And and then these these girls that we follow into the situation hook up with these these guys and then they kind of go off together. And then the movie progresses from what happens once they, they all go off together. But their banter was, I don't know, it wasn't like the smartest banter in the world, but I thought it was pretty clever the way that it was written to show the way that people kind of show off their knowledge about the band that they're going to see. And there's a lot yeah. of, especially guys, trying to strut their stuff as like, I'm the guy who holds all the trivia here. So that, I thought that <laughs> stuff was 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 like good character work and pretty disarming. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that the performers are are pretty good. I think this movie totally works on the backs of of the actors making it work but that once it gets beyond that initial plot point it's like oh okay now i kind of know what's going on and it's sort of it sort of doesn't do much for me after that yeah i i, I agree like i think once the once the turn happens and you and you know they kind of show the cards of like what the movie is i think up to that point it's kind of it's kind of fun and you're kind of wondering and there's a there's a bit of like kind of doubt or question of what's happening even though it kind of is easy to tell what's going on but um, I think from that point, it kind of just kind of it kind of stretches that that second third act out. It's like it's just stretched out way too far, and it kind of gets old pretty quickly to me. And and some of the scenes kind of start to play a little too comic-y, um, which I don't think was the intention. I mean, at, at times it is, but uh, it kind of loses that that balance at times for me. But yeah, the music stuff, like the you know the the, the jokes on music fans, or just the way they portray them, are are pretty fun um and you know any any kind of movie that's based in the 80s like i i I like i like like listening like to the score and the soundtrack like those kind of things hit pretty fun and 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 they're kind of cool throughout the movie and this is no exception i mean you know the little synthy type stuff is always layers in nicely for me um but and i and i really like uh what is whatever Alexandria Diodario, whatever her name is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she's actually pretty fun in the movie. Like once she kind of goes like all for it, I think she's kind of kind of like turns into a pretty fun performance. Last time we talked about our rating system, which if you're new to the show, we long ago established the rating system of uh, go ahead is our highest rating because we're saying go ahead watch it, <laughs> and then wait for it. Which I think last week we basically decided it works for the digital home release era as well. It just means wait for it to be more. You know, wait for it to be your tempo. Wait for it to be free or cheaper or right. on Netflix or whatever it is. So right. wait for it. That's right. our middle ground. That means like, don't 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 pay maximum dollar for this one. <laughs> um, and then the last one is hold up, and that means there's nothing for you to see here. You can imagine sort of a a street cop blowing a whistle and waving you away from that movie. That's a hold up. 
<clears throat> this movie for me was definitely a wait for it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. See that, guys? There's so much lore in this episode. We do, we're doing the 100 episode countdown to the end. We're talking about our rating system. <laughs> movie Schmovie is back. <laughs> yeah, we're back, man. Oh, I, I guess I'll rattle off a couple of things that I've seen. Um, uh, Bloodshot. With uh, Ving, Ra- Ving Rames, Val, Kel- Val Kilmer. What am I doing right now? I'm in like a crazy brain fart. I think it may have been better with either of those guys in it. Yeah. <laughs> Do I need to see it? I saw that. I saw that. Really I saw bad. that too, the, and I would agree with you. Special effects are really cool. Um, what else? I saw. Um, I paid for Louis C.K.'s new special. Sincerely, Louis C.K. I really enjoyed it. I understand that, like you know, he's he's pretty much banished from the industry, but. There is some remorse in this special, and I think if anybody wants to see um, anything and understands his sense of humor, understands that he's kind of pleading his case in some way. You know, he's not making any excuses, but it's 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 a good special. Um, Extraordinary, finally got to see that. John, the best recommendation. I'm so glad you dug it. Ever, man. Aaron and I watched it, and we... We loved it. It's like Ghostbusters meets, I don't know, like like New Zealand humor. It's like really interesting, man. Like I, I really enjoyed it. But don't you love her now, Maeve Higgins? Wouldn't you watch her in anything at this point? She was so she was so good. Yes, she was so good, man. Um, I saw Warner Brothers animated feature Mortal Kombat Legends: Scorpion's Revenge. If you like Mortal Kombat and you like the first Mortal Kombat movie, or you just want to learn about the world of Mortal Kombat, this is the most violent, entertaining cartoon you will see. Wow. <laughs> it is so violent. Spears are going through people's heads. People are getting their necks snapped off. Arms are being... It is so good. And it kind of takes the place of the first movie that came out in... Uh, what was that? The 90s? Yeah. In the late 90s? Yeah, it's a solid watch, man. Um, and then TV shows, if I can rattle off a couple, Briar Patch with Rosario Dawson, I really, really enjoy I'm really, really enjoying it. I'm not finished it yet. Bravest Warriors, which is done by the same people that do Adventure Time. I can watch a million episodes of that. Devs, which you guys talked about before, is so goddamn good, man. I don't know what I was doing. Why did I, why <laughs> did I delay my watching of this show? Ronald, do you know why you delayed it? Because it's great. It's great to end up with a few episodes to watch at once. That's why you delayed it. Yes. Nick Offerman is doing something like magical on screen, man. Like I don't know where he stands in all of this stuff right now, but he he is so unpredictable in a lot of ways and I kind of love that. Um, and then also I started on what we do in the shadows, uh, season two, is it season two or season three? Season two. Season two? Season two. Season two. And man, I, what a strong opening two episodes, man. Like I, I remembered why I love that show so much. Aaron pretty much watches that show on repeat (laughs) for, she has been for the past week. And, um, I'm a big fan and this season two is a great opener to kind of, Get us into the world of <laughs> insane vampires. So lots of cool stuff. Yeah, I was going to ask you something. Oh, oh, Ronald. Um, you said you 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 watch Briar Patch, right? Yes. And are you like are you liking it or? I'm I'm like two or three episodes into it. I think I do, man. I I I do. It's just the pace of it is something I don't think I've ever seen before. I can't figure out. <sighs> My issue is, can Rosario Dawson carry this show? I think one of the writers and showrunners is, is Andy Greenwald, who is one of the... He, he's on, like, the Ringer Network, and he does a couple podcasts that I listen to. Um, most people may know him from The Watch, with him and Chris Ryan co-host that podcast for the Ringer Network. But he's, like, kind of been on... He's been off doing the Briar Patch thing. Mm. So it's been really interesting, you know, when he came back to the show once that first season was done, like, listening to him talk about... The production and like you know working with Rosario and Jay and all those uh, you know whoever's involved in the show like it's just uh, I haven't gotten around to watching it yet but I'm really excited to watch it because I really like him and uh, it seems like kind of like uh, like a sister show to like Fargo type of world like it seems like that kind of tone yes um, which is really intriguing that's kind yeah of, yeah yeah it, it's queued up I got I got to catch up on that but I'm glad to hear that you, you're watching it and liking it yeah I'm. Uh- 
I'm really enjoying it. I just cool. haven't quite figured out. Rosario Dawson is such an interesting character, man. And, and all the people around her are doing this, like, pretty amazing stuff. And I can't quite figure out if I like her yet or not. But she's entertaining, man. She's entertaining to watch. It's it's a cool show. Speaking of her, did you guys see the, like, she's basically sort of, I guess, possibly confirmed that she's going to be in season two of The Mandalorian? Yes. I don't even know that character that much because I haven't watched all the Clone Wars animation that has had that character in it. But I think that's great casting. I love her, and I think she probably has exactly the right tone for this world that they're totally. creating. Not not just in the kind of modern Star Wars era, but the uh, the way that The Mandalorian is working. Uh, I think, I mean, I expect her to be super charming and have a lot of fun stuff to do if they use her well. On that show, so so yeah, I'm all about great that. Great casting. And I also heard that uh, Ming-Na Wen's character from season one is supposed to be returning, and I felt like that character was underserved. I thought she was cool. I loved seeing her in that world. So um, uh, uh, I'm excited. If, if that character comes back, I'm fine with that, because she, she sort of seemed dead, but we didn't really have any reason to think she was confirmed dead. In fact, that episode ended on a very ambiguous note, um, if you'll recall. The episode that Ming-Na Wen was in. Yes. So I thought she was great casting for Star Wars, and I was happy to see her. And when it looked like she was only in like an episode and then she was done, I was kind of like, oh, that kind of sucks. So yes, if she's back, that's another another good sign that whatever they're doing over there on Mandalorian Season 2, um, there, there ought to be some some cool faces to see in the mix. Definitely. Yeah. It's exciting, man. Anything else you guys want to throw out there that you've seen or plan to watch uh in the coming days i saw the gentleman did you guys see the gentleman yeah i liked it man i thought it was great i i really liked it <laughs> i liked it i think that i think that uh it felt like guy Ritchie was getting back to the roots of what he does best which is some crime circle films of varying groups of people <laughs> being extra shitty to each other i just really enjoyed it yeah i totally agree it's like it's 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 a little more streamlined a little simpler nothing too flashy but kind of getting into that sweet spot that pocket that most people know him like kind of getting away from the sherlock the king arthur the aladdin world it's just like it's more akin to like you know the lock stocks the snatch types movies and with like a really kind of cool cast and a lot of character actors that you see around and even people like, you know, Hugh Grant and Colin Farrell, like getting an opportunity to really chew up some scenery. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought it was great. I really liked the gentleman. That's actually, I think that's one of the last movies I saw in theaters before they closed. I was able to catch, it was like oh. showing it like one, it was showing it like one time a day <laughs> at the Owings Mills. And like the week before the theaters closed, I went like on a Monday night and saw it. And it was like that and the way back were like the last two that I got to see before the theaters closed. Well, if you guys are good, I think we should wrap this up. Do it. Uh, do it, guys. Uh, Movieshmovie.net. And what else? Facebook.com slash movie schmovie. <laughs> you know, Steve, they could also just go ahead and go to movieshmovie.com. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? I think I just, uh, yeah, I was wondering. I think I just screwed that up. Is, we, have the, we have the dot com as well. <laughs> that's, how many, that, that's how many people go to our websites, including myself. Steve, Steve, quick question. Have you been traveling through time? I may have been, because I did hear a Ron John at the beginning of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I think it put me in a a loop or some sort of weird continuum. I I think I'm back, though. But yeah, so so I I think we have the .com. We we definitely do. I've confirmed such. If you you care to go to our website um, that that no one visits, but... uh, that's fine. That's fine. We might even be at movieshmovie.edu. I'm not sure. I'm, we we really got to check on all this. I stuff. think I'm gonna just I'm gonna I'm gonna just go buy all of the dot whatevers just to cover the bases while we're at it. Um, <laughs> dot io dot edu dot org uh, dot co. I, I'll get it all covered. Um, but yeah, I mean, when we post this episode, the, the main place to engage is probably facebook.com/slash/movieshmovie, but. You know, if you if you've seen any of the stuff that we're talking about, or you know of stuff that's coming up that you know need to be on our radar to talk about on a future episode, you know, comment on this Facebook post if you're looking at this episode on Facebook. Um, and if not, you can find the Facebook page and, and leave us a comment because um, that's cool. Because I'm sure there's probably I'm sure there's probably tons of stuff out there, TV movies that we just haven't seen, haven't even heard about, little treasures buried deep, deep into that 
browse category on Netflix or wherever it might be. Um, but let us know if you found something that we should uh, to check out or talk about on the show. And yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, but as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye. Bye.